Aha! It's day five. Day five. Cheers. I got, I don't know how many did the Giant bottle. You got a little uh, little brown on the bottom there. You need to shake that up a little more. Oh, brown? <laughs> brown on your bottom. Sometimes I do get brown on my bottom, Jim. That's not good. I'm saying day five, like it's Giant Bomb's Game of the Year awards. They did their Game of the Year stuff, which I watched all of. Uh, oh, I was going to say, I wonder who will watch all of this. I bet no one. And then you just dropped. Because I, I, you know, I've started listening to oh, the Giant right. Bomb. Yeah, yeah. And you I'm were... like, I'm at like day two and a half and I'm about to give up. Like, this is too much. It's fine. Give up and just listen to, you know, the the recap stuff. When is that coming out? Because it's not like right now. It's just my podcast feed is clogged. Or, or with watch their... watch their videos. That's why they do shit. I listen to their podcast. They're primarily video focused. So they right. do their. I'm doing it wrong. But I didn't, I didn't particularly care for their video stuff this year. Like, they're moving offices, or at least floors in the office. Uh, so, like, they don't have a lot of their equipment, so they did some stuff from home. And, like, you got, I don't know, some stuff is good. But you got, like, Brad buying Dota items. And uh, Jeff did, which I thought was awesome, a mm. uh I promise grocery... I won't let him go on for much more than 30 seconds. By, by yeah, I'm about to end it. But he did a grocery <laughs> haul video, which no, Jesus. was fantastic. His Jesus. grocery haul persona is spot on. I love it. Uh, anyway, we're not here to talk about he has John a whole Bomb. persona. He does. Okay, so here, we're here this to talk is, about the Baldies. This is we're picking. We're actually picking the awards. This is this, this is will it. spoil the shit out of the Baldies podcast. Uh, I mean, to the extent that you know how it's going to turn out. Deli- anyway, the deliberations have. Well, no, there's still some stuff up in the air. So, real quickly, best television show, the leftovers. Any categ- yeah. yeah, any category the leftovers is not available. In- yeah. Is not eligible for <laughs> is still up in the air. Uh, so here's my thing with the leftover, or um, with whatever we're doing here. Um, I saw Show Me Here. I, fi- I finished the final two episodes. Good, and I kind of want to find a way to move it up. But here's my problem. So it's a David Simon piece, which means it's super well done. It's super in depth, and I had many emotions and many intellectual uh, aha moments and realizations and. Um, but it, the first two episodes are so, it, it, it's it essentially the, the show me hero is the wire played on fast forward. It's like five seasons worth of development. And sometimes it happens like, um, this person walks out of the door. Like they never talk about how much time passes, but you just appreciate that. Like, Oh, now they're in jail and here's their court case. And that's like. Yeah, and I and I started it's, I started anticipating that like when somebody left and they didn't immediately smash like for example with Cisco, um, he was drinking, got real drunk and getting in his car and I'm like oh this is going to be a bad idea when the next cut wasn't him in jail or in uh, a drunk take I'm like oh well I guess nothing came of it yeah 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 uh, it's, it's kind of like that because everything is just playing so fast and it's amazing how well it worked mm-hmm. but. I can't say it's super entertaining. Like any of the top five, blow it, yeah. its doors off, or just. You and know, how do you weight that? Right, Against I don't know the entertainment value. Like it's because the first two episodes, I felt socially. like I was drowning, drowning, drowning. Yeah. Yes, drowning second base. Uh, the D is for David Simon. In that I was drowning. <laughs> yeah, I. So now that you've seen it, do you think it's better than Daredevil? Because like I, I was kind of the force pushing this up the charts. Yes, I think I wouldn't. Ease, it's easily better than Daredevil. So if okay, you wanna, like it just, that's the thing. This is this is where those, those last two episodes are really some of the strongest stuff in there it's because like, it's bringing home all the salient points, right? Like yes, and yes. and the ending Can of I have that the, keyboard the because... ending. What what do you think of the ending? Like 
I it was incredible. Spoiler alert, right? Obviously for everything here. I don't want to like, I don't want to talk a big We spoiler. don't we don't need to say exactly what happens, but I thought it was so powerful. Well, and I and, realized and tragic and like yeah. This man who's trying to do these things suffers not the best of fates. No. And and it's tragic in that way in that like he's doing all these good things but he and yet did he's a lot so of this stuff too tortured internally. Too. Like, was Cisco's yeah, a tragic I mean, not... figure that he, in chasing, like, he got caught up in his whole profile and courage and and playing po- politics, and he lost sight of what sure. got him to where he was at, which is being genuine and caring for the people, and he ended up becoming a parody of himself and destroying a lot of his relationships. And I thought yeah. that was interesting, like, you know, because he had this grounding ritual where he'd go and talk to his dad in the cemetery. Mm-hmm. And I realized the last three episodes, like, Nick, you need to go talk to your dad. Like, this is getting bad. Like, th- all this bullshit that you're doing, jerking around this new mayor. Like, you need to talk to your dad and get right. And, you know, by the time he finally gets around, I saw him, oh, shit, this is the opening. This is the opening moments of. Did you realize that, too? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is the it's opening the moments series, of yeah. the, the series. And this can't be good. But, yeah, I mean. I mean it's, and it's all yeah, based and- on a true story. Mm-hmm. I, I got to say that, like. I sobbed for like the last five minutes of the thing. Yeah, it really sad. snuck it's up on very me. Very tragic, and that. But it, a lot of it was happy, sad too. Sure, I, I think the the moments that they have with some honest change in the communities uh, toward the end yeah. really hit home. Um, yeah. Tugs at the heartstrings a little and bit. I don't know why, but like seeing the actors and then who they were portraying in black and white. Yeah, that was super yeah. effective for me. Like the hit, like no, all of this. Like I'm sure there was embellishments here and there, but this was by and large a true story. Sure. Of how public housing was done wrong for many, many years leading up to a lot of racist bullshit and how it can be done right and how that can actually change a community for the better. Uh-huh. Um, Both communities that are... But that was also some of the inversions that are like forced upon it. The black families being in fear... Yeah, uh, like a total inversion of what you expect. Like, you know, oh, white, like you're going to move this public housing and it's going to be a bunch of... You know, scary drug dealers and stuff. No, it was the white people trying to make the black people's lives miserable. Uh-huh. And the black people, like, jumping at every sound and, like, sleeping with g- knives under their pillows and just being genuinely terrified of the surroundings. I thought that was really well done. Sure. But, yeah. again, like, does it is it better than Narcos? Like, I want to say it is. It's certainly less entertaining It is much Narcos, less entertaining. But, like, but I don't know that that's... Like how big of a knock against it is that, right? I, I don't know, and that's that's the thing. Like with I, I keep on one of the reasons the wire is still at the number one top provisionally because you know the the leftovers is coming at it strong is because I feel like everyone should you know before you have an opinion on politics, uh, race, drugs, uh, you know money. Uh, law enforcement, law any any of the unions, you should you should have to see the wire because it's not it's like yeah. the Wikipedia article of all those things. <laughs> like you will get a uh-huh. a fairly good. Now it's a liberal. But it's way more moving. It's less dry than. It's also a liberal grounding, but I got to say that like if you yeah. were a conservative to attack it on its merits, you would have to put a you'd have to decide like okay, why do you know better than this beat writer and this cop in Baltimore about drugs? Certainly, and it's middle- it's off putting for. Really, anybody who doesn't kind of already hold a lot of the same views, I disagree. As the show does because I was, really? I was, I mean, I was super conservative ten years ago, hmm. uh, okay. and like, I think the wire is probably the thing most responsible for my politics shifting. Huh? 
Okay. You know, and I think that's the other thing is that there's a lot you of turned off by it going into it that way. Huh? Uh, well, I mean, it was, I wasn't turned off. It's just, it had to do a lot more influencing on me. Yeah. But then I started, you know, doing research and, and, you know, cause you, you, that's the thing. You can't ever take an entertainment product and be like, Oh, face value. They're just telling me the truth. No, you but I think you're go... open. You're more open-minded than a lot of people. Well, you're, maybe. you're willing to go look some stuff up and, sure. and, and think about why you're having some sort of bias or that's the thing. Whenever like I why feel that cognitive you dis- and, dissonance, yeah. I have to pick at it because or a lot uh, of people will just shut that shit down and say, yeah, it's not like, for, oh, it's not a bunch me. of bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. You shouldn't do drugs. It's your own damn fault for living in that situation. Just move sure, away. That's, that's, Get a job and move away from the projects. What the fuck is your problem? That's pretty insular and easy response, and I I get it. It's so just... the the thing is, is like this is again, it's like the wire on speed because it's it's, and and I'm amazed at how much they got me to feel about the characters and and to feel empathy for them in just a six episode run. Yeah. Yeah, especially when it starts off where I don't see how a lot of this stuff is relevant, you know? And it, like, that's there, the, thing, there the are first these two stories that are just like, like what the I don't fuck care is, about yeah. any of that. Give me the main the main plot thread of the political mm-hmm. uh, battle here. But it's all connected. Yes. And you have to, and, that's and the thing. It, you have to have it, faith. Instead of, like, spiderwebbing out or branching out from a central thesis, it kind of just does the opposite, right? Yeah. This tree-like structure where the top of it it all comes together, but it mirrors like how hard it really is to get a grasp on po- politics. Yeah, and like why? Because that's the thing. Like it's never black and white. Like those people from Yonkers, I well, think the majority it is black and white. <laughs> but here's the <laughs> in thing: some like sense. I don't think if you ask the the vast majority of people that are protesting that in Yonkers, they wouldn't consider themselves racist. Certainly, one of the heroes of the mm-hmm. story, no one does. Right? I don't think you can. It was all property values, but then you get. And but then you have to peel. Okay, so why are the projects so shitty? Mm-hmm. And is there a way to do them differently so they're not shitty? And why is this other group wanting us to do it shitty again all over? Like, I mean, it really, like I said, it really refined and, and changed my even at this late date. It really refined and changed my mind about some of the things in the political process because it's you know yeah. by doing this, it's weird because you're right. You could start with a central focus and branch out. I don't think it'd be effective as this organic kind of stumbling towards the point. Yeah, it does feel more natural. I think the yeah. way it's all it all comes together. But I I think and I thought it was pretty even handed because I disagreed with some of the things down the stretch. Like I don't like you know I think the show is broadly you know painting in sympathetic light some things I just didn't agree with. Hmm, okay. um, so you know I'm kind of thinking about that stuff. So, but I also don't think it's it's a testament to the show that I can disagree with it and think ah. I don't know if I agree with you there, David, but I don't feel like the show was judging me for it. The show was sure. just presenting the situation and saying, what do you think we should do about it? Yeah, the questions it raises are, uh, I don't know if I'd say more interesting than than the, you know, the conclusion and the answers yeah. it kind of gives you, but they're certainly as just as valid. And see, I guess that's where I have, I, I'm losing patience with both sides of the political process because... You know, it's different for both sides, but there is – it seems like the way I like to engage with politics is given that a situation exists, how do you handle it? Where there's increasingly yeah. a lot of people that – and it's different for – you know, which situation is different for which side. But, like, there's a lot of people just like, I don't agree that this is happening. 
or sure. coming to some kind of consensus on what is actually happening or my my cherished beliefs about hard work and and social mobility are coming into violent conflict with reality and i'm just going to reject reality and keep yeah. substituting these things i learned in grade school about my country and that's you know that's worked out for me and my family so fuck everybody else yeah i mean it really comes down to how willing you are to a question in everything you know yeah. or think you know uh and why you think it um and also have you know you know take a look at it from someone else's perspective and yeah. i think that's what david simon does really well in his yeah. work is say you may be on one side of this issue like okay i'm i'm a straight white male I'm looking at this from one angle, but there are a whole lot of other angles yeah. that need to be looked at here. And David Simon does a fairly good job as a straight white male himself of kind of taking those into account, right? I think so. And showing you kind of the other side of this and saying, how does how do the things that you firmly believe mesh with the things that these other people firmly believe? And where's the middle ground? And how do you how do you come together on that? And that's what makes Show Me a Hero and The Wire like yeah. better than a show that's just there for entertainment but also not as entertaining right? i also <laughs> like, thought like there was a surprising amounts of humor in uh-huh. show me hero like the um the old nurse that was slowly losing her vision thought yeah. i i thought she was hysterical like the stuff that she said and the interaction she had with people is just just really funny mm-hmm. um well cisco was really funny in places like and uh-huh. some of the politics and stuff and then you know there's all so it's like it's not unentertaining. You just have to really, you know, it's like uh, the phrase "nothing tastes as good as thin feels." I feel like that. Like you have to go on a entertainment diet and change how, like you know, you're on the Athens <laughs> diet. Bread's bad. It's all about the uh, protein. Eating lot. Like uh, you have to change the way you watch these things so you get the the maximum benefit at the 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 backside of it. Gotcha. The other thing. Is that I finished the Nick uh, season two. Oh no! And like, should it be number forty eight on? No, list? I mean that's the thing. Like, it's definitely I'd say better than Justified the Americans, Jessica Jones, Game of Thrones. I've, it man, starts, yeah. But the, the thing here's the other thing. Christ, is I, I've rethought Jessica Jones a little bit too. I the more I think about that show, the less I like it. Well, okay. It, What's, it fucking falls apart from a basic storytelling standpoint, man. Like, so, so, but, but it's before I get opposite. derailed from the Nick, the yeah, thing about okay, the Nick is sorry. that it swings for the fences, man. Like, it's huh. a very ballsy or ovary type show. Like, it really made who... Like, I don't want to spoil anything. Can we go with a, a piece of anatomy that both sexes have? Or, or all of the sexes have? Like, can we go with a nosy? It's a, no- a nosy. It's fucking nosy, man. It's a that gonad-y. is one nosy it's a gonad-y show. All right, everyone's got their own gonads. It's a I think. reproductive organy Unless show. Unless you're born without, so maybe we should go with noses. But then, what if you get your nose cut off? <laughs> That's true. There's literally nothing. Uh, how, how about just courage? It's a courageous show. Everyone can yeah. have or not have a different, but it's all your own fault. Uh, it, it's a very courageous show in the way it tells its story and doesn't give a shit about main characters and yeah. whether it's sustainable. Like, it's an open question whether the Nick will be on next season. Or hmm. if it is, will it be, like, is it going to be an anthology? So it's like, okay. Because I, I read an article where that Soderbergh envisioned this as, like, two-year cycles at different phases of the Nick's history. Like, maybe next year we'll jump okay. ahead and it'll be 1935. Uh, or 1931, and like, how is the Nick, uh, um, 
you know, transitioning through the depression and how does it look through World War Two and when uh, the final like there's a lot huh. of stories I'm sure you could tell about this hospital and it didn't close until 94, I think. Wow. So like what was the last moments of it like? And so, yeah, but because of that, like the, the it seems like they're willing to just clear the slate. Uh, it, it's it's genuinely exciting to watch. And the medical technology, again, that's the, the selling point for me to watch this. And I don't know if when you get into the 40s or 50s, if some of this stuff is going to be as, as thrilling as just. Then you have like first heart transplants. And yeah, I guess that's true. That kind of stuff. But that's like less. I feel like that's, you know, a 12 hour procedure where people are wearing like microscopes attached to their eyes, just moving their hands is less interesting than like someone like, hey, this new x-ray machine. Let's get all the nurses in here and look at the rib cage just for fun. And everyone, everyone in the room is standing around this humming x-ray bulb. Uh-huh. Everyone's getting blasted with the gamma radiation. Uh-huh. And, you know, this, they don't know the danger. And, like, the shit that they're doing to the human body is just at the, like, forefront. It, and it's it's yeah. viscerally thrilling. Like, people are slipping in blood and shit is spurting and... <laughs> Just, just some. It's a far cry from the clinical, like for, very for the sterile. first time in a long time, I had to avert my eyes at something that was happening on screen. It was just too horrific. Yeah, they put you know all four cow stomachs into that one guy. <laughs> it's just fucking yeah. You now can't I can watch digest it. grass, sure, but at what cost? <laughs> uh, I, it's it's good. Like I don't. I'm trying to think of where. It, it it's it 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 settles somewhere between Fargo and Game of Thrones. I feel like. Huh. Wow. Because the other thing is... I mean, there's only one spot between Fargo and Game of Thrones. The cinematography... Yeah, right. The cinematography also, you know, there's a lot... Everyone said a lot about the fact that this is a Soderbergh joint from from soup to nuts. And I'm going to be talking to uh, Shane the Bowman, Bowman, um, somewhat soon, the next week or two, about this season. Um, But it's funny because I remember a lot of the stuff we talked about last season. Um, I didn't watch it. Last season, I didn't watch it with, like, my critic hat fully engaged. And some of the stuff he brought out, because he's much more of a serious student of the art than I am, about the music and the mm-hmm. lighting. Like, I noticed this year, like, just how yeah, yeah. the way that he lights the set is and, and the way that stuff, in you know, works with the film is completely different than anything I've ever seen. And some of the tricks he does to, like, frame scenes and then, like, end episodes where a lot of, like, would slowly just lose focus... Just you ah. know, those are I guess mm-hmm. Soderbergh trademarks, but they work really well in the setting. It's good, and it's like it's like top ten good even, but it's not top five. So I guess Soderbergh, uh, you get the uh, <laughs> great job, terrific sticker for your. I mean, just efforts. for the sake of like, so I, the, one of the things I was doing was weighing Jessica Jones against Sense Eight, and like, do we care about m- actually adjusting these? Because I, I want to move the Nick up a few. Like honestly, I think Jessica Jones needs to go down, and what you're saying, maybe the Nick needs to go up. But like, I'm almost suggesting swap the Nick and Jessica Jones. If you feel that strongly about the Nick, I feel like after considering it further, oh Jesus, you're going above Game of Thrones. That's what I'm. Whoosh. Oof, oof. Uh, I, as someone who's not seen the Nick, I have a really hard time imagining it. But okay, if if that's what you think, you want to drop Jessica Jones down. Oh, I think shit, we should drop it below happened? Justified. You, you. All right. So and potentially below Sense Eight. So Sense Eight deals with like these are both, you know, kind of social justice shows in a way, right? Uh-huh. Like 
Jessica Jones is dealing with issues of rape and consent and uh, free will and all that. Coincidentally, kind of stuff. so is Penny Dreadful. <laughs> oh yeah. Did you see any of Penny Dreadful? No. Oh god damn it! I was hoping you get through at least. No, I should. I should have tried to blitz through it all. Had plenty of time. Uh, but since eight deals with like gender identity and uh, societal issues around that, yeah, and, and like sexuality and stuff, and I think they both have their merits in those particular uh, fields. But I think Jessica Jones is not as successful as Sense Eight in in raising those questions. Yeah, it's frustrating because I haven't seen all of Sense Eight, so I don't know. I mean, I, I thought Jessica Jones was pretty unique in some of the takes, and again, like. I'm, willing... I'm also biased towards sci-fi more than I am superhero stuff. So sure, since it gets helping. a gets a pass on. But that like as I'm well. like I'm now I'm starting to look at True Detective season two. It's like was it really that bad? It was pretty bad. Yeah, I thought Jessica Jones, you know, more entertaining and although they they had similar stumbles, right? Like I'm I'm happy with the list as as we just rearranged it. Okay, I think, and you know. Two weeks from now, I'm going to come back and I'm going to go, oh, well, there was this thing about Bloodline that I thought made it better than True Detective. Which well, that's the thing, I'm like, like, and I'm like, saying with House of Cards, like, is House of Cards really this bad? But I'm like, where would I, I wouldn't move it over Banshee. And that's like kind of where the conversation <laughs> stops. Yeah. I had more fun. I thought Banshee was more successful doing, I maybe, I guess that's kind of how my, my ultimate criteria is. What were you trying to do? Yeah. And how successful were you do, were you at doing what you tried to do? And and also how how a how important is it? That's uh, why it's like, to society. B yeah. how entertaining is it? Sure. How like, weighing those factors, I think, is the hardest thing. Which is why I show me a hero. I feel can't rise any higher. It just yeah. can't because it's not as entertaining as anything above above it. Uh, it's more way more important than Daredevil, uh, mm-hmm. but it's nowhere near as entertaining. And sure. I think that that kind of just. Well, we have it bolded to give it a little extra love. Yeah, so, we're gonna we're gonna do an honorable. mention I almost in the wonder full if I podcast. should do that with the Nick because nobody watches that show. We have a lot of either. honorable mentions here. Yeah, we got three. Like, honorable got mentions four. are the Daredevil and Jessica Jones are going to be one to end the same. Because I yeah. do believe if you see just the Daredevil, you should see Jessica Jones too. Yeah, no, I, I think you're right. All right, well, f- fuck this. I'm we good. Need to I'm move, good. With we that. need to move on. Yeah, um, um, that's the only thing I've really reconsidered. Best comedy. We're gonna have a fight about this. Uh, I want to give it to Rick and Morty. I want to give it to Silicon Valley. Mm, bu- <laughs> I mean, so Rick and Morty has the benefit of doing things that, fr- from a, I don't, I didn't know how to say it. It's not a narrative. It's not like storytelling. It's here's my problem with Silicon Valley. It has no heart. There's no stakes, and somehow I feel like it's gonna Rick get in and, there. Rick and Morty found a heart in season two. I feel like the heart of Silicon Valley is that the main character, whatever his name is, uh, I can't remember at the moment. Uh, but like, I don't know. Maybe as a small business owner, myself, but he's a terrible. He's a terrible small business owner. But he's trying, right? Like he's the plucky upstart guy who's just. Flying by the seat of his pants, has no idea how this stuff works, and is kind of getting to that, sure. railroaded, and is doing his best to put his foot down, even though that is way against his personality type. Like he's becoming the person he needs to be to do this thing, and I have a lot of sympathy for that. Uh, so that that hits me in the right spot. Whereas Rick and Morty is I, like 
you think there's a lot of heart in Rick and Morty? I mean, I think that the way the, the they final show episode of season two has some heart. Has a lot of heart. A lot of heart. But also the stuff that they're saying about this particular marriage between um, the the, the mother and father of, yeah. of Jerry Rick. and yeah, it's Jerry and, and Diane. <laughs> no, it's definitely not Summer's Diane. the daughter. Summer's I don't, da- I don't uh-huh. know who the. And Jerry, I don't I just, know why I can't remember the wife. I don't know why Jerry sticks in my mind as like Sephiroth. I feel like his name is said more. Mm-hmm. But like they they say a lot of things about like you know I think nuclear families are well represented in American pop culture, and mm-hmm. even like broken dysfunctional families are are well represented at this point. But this is a peculiar type of American marriage where it's not terrible. It's not awful. Maybe these people shouldn't be together, but they've kind of like developed this comfort and you know, they're not making their kids miserable actively. Like I feel like I don't know. Maybe it's because I know that like this is kind of like autobiographical for Dan Harmon, but I I really like seeing them struggle with the concept of whether they should stay together or whether you know, is it is it's it's too too bad to stay, too good to leave kind of situation. Like the marriage counseling, saying. the marriage counseling episode where they went to the planet and they had to fight their own mental constructs of each other. Um, yeah, I thought that was a great. I episode. thought the episode where the par- mind parasites came and they had to de- yep. decide who was friendly and uh, who was family and who was foe. That says a lot about family. I thought the episode where the the keep summer safe episode where Rick's car breaks down and he has to go inside the battery to fix it and like where that went and like what that says about society and our views of energy and disposable nature of it and like how he beat the guy. He's like, you know, it's like, there's only two ways this can end, but my car works or I take the battery, throw it away and get a, get a new one. Like that. I I was, background watching that episode which oh. i shouldn't have done because it's very complex no there's some real very mind there's some real mind fuck type stuff so that's the thing where rick and morty really hits for me is the ideas that it raises and the about morality and ethics and it doesn't about everything doesn't even about answer everything them it's just like hey across the human experience yeah it's it's family it's morality it's uh the nature of the universe and time and space and everything it's just questioning it all and <sighs> Because here's the thing is, I, if I'm honest, I think I laughed equally hard and frequently at Silicon Valley and Rick and Morty. Yes. But and I think that's Rick I... and Morty has got something that I'm missing for Silicon Valley, which is why do I care about these characters in Silicon Valley? In Silicon Valley, it's very personal for me as, like I said, a business owner, right? Like yeah. A guy who's – because for years, for years before we ever started Bald Move, I was kind of steeped in this kind of startup culture. And so like all of the jokes land – perfectly sure. like I, I think there's there's so much about silicon valley that just nails that culture uh and lampoons it in, in a way that just really works for me i, I don't I know think, it's, it's some of the some of the things i thought that they're trying to lampoon i felt fell flat and that continues to be the case like I, that's something that also hmm. bothered me about like i didn't like how some of the con some of the commentary on gender relations at work i thought was counterproductive and kind of tone deaf with the girl that they hire yeah like is that is that the only type of girl you can hire and be it's like a little heavy-handed i think no it's like you have to have a woman who's one of the dudes 
and she has to be able to sexual harass and make stupid jokes and be as stupid as the dudes to be able to hang with them. I don't know if sure. that's what I want in something that's touching on STEM and women in, in business. Yeah, and I like I don't know how that part of the culture relates um, in a comedy, but ultimately I, I think you're right. Like I, I laugh just as hard at Silicon Valley. There are moments in Silicon Valley that had me rolling, uh, oh. probably more so than Rick and Morty. But Rick and Morty is a more contemplative show, I think. Uh-huh. Um. So, like, in Which this is weird comedy, for a half hour gonzo space traveling right? comedy, yeah, crazy grandpa. It's you know, Doc Brown and Marty McFly, yeah, going and doing even crazier things than they do in Back to the Future. <laughs> how, okay, how are we going to resolve this? I don't know because I feel like Silicon Valley is a funnier show, really. Yeah, like. I, I laughed harder. Like, the moments in season two of Silicon Valley that really got me made me laugh hysterically. The 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 the, the courage that they have mm-hmm. to stick the landing and just really milk a moment in certain places. And, like, okay, I'm going to talk about a couple of specific things okay. that I really like in Silicon Valley. And we'll, we'll stack them up. The mariachi up, band is going to be That fucking a. mariachi band. The courage it takes to say... You know what? We're gonna, we're, we're gonna this let moment. this run for a full three, four minutes, and, and we're gonna do it at the most inopportune moment for the audience. Mm-hmm. Right? They want to know: mm-hmm. Is he going to sign this contract? What will his response be? Mm-hmm. We're gonna delay that by having this hilarious sequence where a mariachi band comes in and ruins the conversation because they can't hear each other. You know what? Though I thought that they pulled the punch because I, as an audience member, felt like I knew the answer. I already knew what he's gonna say. And that he's got to say no. He's got to say yeah. No. And that was the jo- and the way he even framed it, it's like you know he was like oh you want my response well here's my response you know it's not going to be but he's be- in such a tight corner that I feel like there is a possibility that yeah. he'll say yes I don't I so it's like of yes, course I, the show can't continue if he says yes I right? think it'd be <laughs> funnier if it was actually they played with that a little bit more and I I huh, thought okay uh, I thought the whole courtroom sequence Go- of the disbarred lawyer hilarious going into this elaborate almost Chewbacca defense about how inept their angel funder or whatever you call that yeah. guy uh, yeah. angel investor how comically inept he is and using that as a way as a form of defense i thought that was super funny yeah no it's great and then the stuff that they do with um the the energy drink company yeah like that whole episode where they're they're determining like what are the what are the positives and negatives of letting this guy die yeah they're yep. doing the the whatever it is this chart i forget mm. what the name of it but it's real funny real funny uh, I don't know. I, I felt like there were more moments like that. So season one for me had a lot of flaws with like Gabe. I thought, I thought Gabe's character really got on my nerves and he was kind of sidelined this season. So it worked for me a lot better. Now, Gabe is the kind of, yeah, he's the tall guy, the, the kind of administrative yeah. business guy, um, yeah. who got stuck in a fucking car and went to a, a sea Island. Sure. I, I hated that. Hated that uh-huh. stuff. But season two, like, he, he was kind of sidelined a little bit. They brought in this character, this angel investor guy who was ridiculous and over the top, but in a way that I found hilarious. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't I don't think he was that annoying. I mean, he's annoying, but he, purposely so. Sure, sure. Yeah, it's by design. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I just thought... So, Rick and Morty, as soon as I finished the series, I immediately sat down and rewatched it again. Oh, I wow. didn't have that reaction with uh, Silicon Valley. Sure. 
And like I like Rick and Morty is quoted on a daily basis in my life at this point. Uh-huh. Uh It's quotable, sure. It's very quotable. And I guess Silicon Valley maybe, but like I don't, you know, like Cecily's not seen it, so that's pretty much destroys any quote making capacity. I, to me, the yeah, I, I don't know how we're going to resolve this. If you're like super strong on Silicon Valley, may- well, I want to make a case for both of them, right? Like, so wh- okay. where's I felt like we did, we just did. Yeah, yeah, we. I felt like we hadn't made a real case for Silicon Valley. So now so we made the to. case, and now what? <laughs> I don't know. I'm. We still have the vetoes and the forsons. I'm going to force Rick and Morty on. I'm going to veto. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like, yeah, that's what's... <laughs> I'm going to force on Silicon Valley. You're going to veto it. That's what feels like. Right it. But, but I feel like maybe if there's some other disagreements further on down the list, that that the interplay between that might be interesting. I think that, yeah, the female actress, uh, the, the female uh, actor There's nothing thing. really that's got, that I give a shit about as much. Huh, okay. It might, it might be another long conversation, but I... I and that's the thing. Like Rick this was a, re- I this really a really like strong year for for comedy. I mean, Key and Peele's final season, uh, like Discovery of Danger Five, and it's mm. it's new season. That's the reason it's on here is because its season two came out entirely in 2015. Um, and Archer, I thought was, was stronger. Like I didn't. I thought. I mean, maybe this is a minority opinion, but I thought that the uh Miami Vice episodes, the cocaine episodes of Archer when they would become a drug cartel were not very good. And I thought them returning to ISIS was was super super was 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 welcome. But there yeah. again, Archer's number 10 on our list. There were a lot of other really good comedies yeah. this year. And the only one I haven't seen to have an opinion on is Master of None. So it's like that's not that's not like Jim having his way with me here. That's like Archer's legitimately number ten on the list, and it was super funny. Yeah, Master of None is is up there for different reasons. Um, so Rick and Morty is an interesting case because, like, it's a phenomenon in a way that Silicon Valley is not. I think, uh, like, half the people I know are just constantly talking and quoting Rick and Morty. Mm-hmm. Like, we go out to Seattle for bypacks, and mm-hmm. you know, you and Jesse are just sitting there. Like, I hadn't seen it at that point. Didn't know anything about it. But now, right. like, I think back on the conversations you were having, and I'm like, sure. oh, yeah, they were saying, like, get Swifty and love, 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 love. Yeah, yeah. All these things. And I'm like, okay, so they're clearly in on it. And it, it I think it's, it's a bigger show, not like numbers wise, but like in the things it's trying to do. Yeah. So I could definitely see, like, I, I might be with you on number one here. Silicon Valley is, for me personally, a very close second. But I think I'm okay with Rick and Morty being the winner there. I just think there's also, like, the throwaway jokes I thought were funny. Like, in the final episode when they're trying to find Earth-like worlds, uh, just the different, like, uh, like one of them, everything was corn-based life, which is a super huge problem, but they never really explain why. It's just like, oh, my God, <laughs> okay. all this corn, this life is all corn-based. We have to get out of here. And I forget what was wrong. The other one, like, the sun screamed. Which that was like it's an <laughs> idyllic, but when the sun rises, real it's just, ah! it wouldn't stop. How long are the days on this planet? <laughs> <laughs> so then they go and they they li- they literally arrive on a planet just like Earth, except for it's the size of what a hundred foot ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and the force perspective they use, where they like pull it into the planet like Earth orbit, and then it is run into it. Yeah, and then they talk about hey, well, it was bacon for breakfast, but we hunted the species to extinction, which is like one thing of bacon. And then he's going to explore sure. the South Pole, which took him like. 
50, you know, he had to take 50 steps to get there. I, some of that stuff, just visual humor, throwaway humor is so, is super funny to me in a way that I guess, and maybe that's a, Silicon Valley has to work harder for stuff like that because I'm just, you know, I'm jealous of the Rick and Morty idea. You had this idea of like a combined Doc Brown from Back to the Future with Doctor Who. <laughs> what story can't you tell? You got everything of the modern civilization. You got any conceivable form of civilization that you can talk about and discuss. You have guest stars like willing to just show up at a moment's notice. I mean, they've had some crazy guest stars like uh, uh, Christina Hendricks played the collective in season two. Pat, uh, yeah. uh, Patton Oswalt played the more Borg like uh, they had. Herzog Werner, is that how you pronounce his name? Yeah, the yeah. documentary saying the word penis like fifty times in his dialogue. Like, I well, I don't remember that. It's, okay. So that's the one where Jerry his uh, his seems like his penis turned out to be the perfect replacement heart. Oh, was he the doctor? No, uh, I think he was the guy that was trying to explain culturally why this person was worth saving. Like mm-hmm. all that he did to bring about peace in the galaxy. Gotcha. Um, I, yeah, and there's like, uh, well, I mean, they had Stephen Colbert. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just lots of lots of great guests, and I don't know. I'm really excited for season three as well. Yeah, I'm a, I'm interested to see where they go if they stick with the the choice that uh, they have Rick, to, right? They can't just undo that. They could certainly. I think that's the thing. Like, so we find out that Rick cares. How much does he care? Because he cares in How a world. How long will he care? That's the thing. Like he cares in the context of a universe where, I in, in the show's chronology, he's not even living in the universe that his actual real family sure. lives yeah. in. He's killed, uh, or he went to a universe where himself and Morty die because he destroyed then, the entire yeah, planet, turned into a planet of Cronenberg, Cronenberg horror, <laughs> which was fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I think Rick and Morty wins this. Uh, I just wanted to make a case for Silicon Valley okay. because I really enjoy that show too, and it, it hits home. I, I mean, you know, there's a case to be made for all the top five. That's why they're the top sure. five. I, I really loved Always Sunny this season. Yeah, um, Always Sunny but, was really good. Maybe even better in Parks and Rec. Although I didn't see Parks and Rec. I don't know Parks and I put Parks and Rec just because it's the final season and yeah. it's I, that's a show with a lot of heart. That's the thing. Like I always feel like maybe that's it's like kind of with my drama the important angle is what settles. Like comedies, it's easy to be cynical and everyone's assholes you don't care about and they're just human. It's always you know. sunny. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> it, it, it's hard to do that and actually have you care and like about the characters at the end yeah. of the day. I think so. Now, I feel like it's always sunny sometimes uses that as a shield. It's like, you know, you can have Dennis be a rapist and it doesn't have like, of course he is. He's a terrible human being. Like that's the answer. Anyone, someone that has a problem with a, a, part, a part of the show is like, oh, that's too far. Like why? They're terrible human beings. Look what they did to Cricket. Yeah. God, Cricket. I love like <laughs> the, just the way that, that show has morphed that character. I mean, they're, they're human cartoon is. characters. You can't take any of them seriously. And in fact, you're encouraged to actively root against it. Like, the funniest episode is where they all get served out, you know? Uh-huh. So, like, uh, that... I just want to talk about, like, <laughs> the way that they treat the waiter in that Italian... In Gugino's, the uh-huh. Italian restaurant. Yeah. It's fucking amazing. Yeah. They, nah. they refuse <laughs> to acknowledge that they know the man until yeah. they then make an insult about spaghetti and dropping it on it. It's fucking incredible. <laughs> yeah. 
No, it's it was it was a really strong season. And yeah, that's their the thing. jokes are just. Top and the other thing is, I'm a little scared about Always Sunny because I literally watched all however many seasons last year. Ten seasons. So yeah. like, I kind of want to back off because like I'm waiting ten seasons of comedy that like in my mind all run together. Sure. There's a couple storylines like Charlie's Day that I can pinpoint. Like, okay, this was a reaction to Birdman. Did you ever see Birdman? By the way, it's on HBO. I never right saw now. it. No. Oh Jesus. So I, I don't know just how good break. that episode is a parody. Well, I mean, of... if it doesn't, I mean, yeah, the, the the parody makes it a funny. I guess it adds a little bit to the comedy, but you know, if, if... yeah, that, that episode didn't really strike me as particularly hilarious. the The one thing I really loved in that episode was uh, Danny DeVito, Frank in the basement pretending to be the the smoke alarm or the the <laughs> yeah carbon monoxide detector or whatever it was. Uh-huh. F- fucking love that. Although I don't know why, but... he painted himself all black. It felt a little, uh, <laughs> it felt a little bit contrived, though, because uh-huh. he started painting himself, and Charlie didn't know he was going to paint himself. Yeah. But then he uses that. But it, it's implied that he uses this same method every year, mm-hmm. but not quite the same method because they got the chickens. They got, but the, everything's just amped up. Like, yeah. like I love the fact that like even Charlie. Like, everyone's irrationally fed up with Dee, even though she's arguably the least offensive of the characters. Like, sure. anytime she just gets, like, she's getting the Meg treatment for a Family Guy, which I don't know how far they can take that before it becomes uninteresting. But just even, like, Charlie, yeah. who's arguably the biggest idiot in the group, he just has no patience with Dee. Like, yeah. every time she's like, she's like, oh, that fucking bitch. It's like, oh, God, God, you goddamn bitch. Like, every time she comes up to him with anything, I don't know why, but I find that super funny. Yeah. Because Dee's a terrible person, too. They're all terrible. Yeah. All right. So, I feel like Charlie might be the least terrible. He's the most brain damaged, which makes him <laughs> the most that, sympathetic, yeah. right? Like, sure. he's the most naive. I think he's almost the lens of the show, like the character you're supposed to be watching the show as. Mm-hmm. But he's so, he fucking huffs glue all the time. And, like, well, I'll ask know. you something, though. We've yeah. got Seven Days of Hell way too low. Seven Days of Hell is great. I mean, like, it was and, a and surprise. The, I kind of handicapped because it was only like an hour. Yeah. But it's not my series, God, it's... that needs to come way the hell up. Yeah, I mean, I would put that definitely before Portlandia. Definitely, yeah, before, Portlandia had a kind of definitely before the brink. I mean, come on, for fuck's sake! Oh, I watched a bunch more of the Evil Ash vs Evil Dead. Uh, what do you uh, think? It's it's still good, uh, but it's less good as a comedy and more good as just what Ash vs the Evil Dead should be. Here's where I think it would live, but I haven't seen Master of None. Uh, Master of None doesn't work as a comedy nearly as well as Seven Days of Hell. Uh, Seven Days of Hell does nothing but comedy. Whereas Master of None is more concerned with, like, questions about existence and, uh, I don't know, and minorities and stuff like that. Any other changes we need to make? It's interesting in its own right, but, uh, no, let's just put Rick and Morty as number one and be done with it. Okay. Wonder when they'll have because there was like a two year gap between season one and season two. I wonder. I know there because I'm listening to Harmontown. I'm after I, after I got done with all the traveling episodes, I I decided I wasn't going to listen to 120 more before I got the current. So I just skipped the current. Yeah. I skipped the current day, and they're actually actively writing it right now. And it's that's huh. another interesting thing about Harmontown that because uh, they had the whole writing staff, and they're talking about how they break episodes and like how they come. Oh, I'm super interested in that. It's re- yeah, like there's a lot for us to talk about after after we get off air about that whole process. 
Uh, best documentary. Uh, we got the Jinx going clear in Mythbusters. Jinx like number Jinx. one. Boom. Easy. Yeah. I which... mean, just so the Jinx doesn't work without that big reveal at the end. I mean, I think it, it works, works fine, but but it's not number one. Going what clear takes it is from better. The because mo- like again, I I think that that's right up there with the best television experience i had like if the sitting on the couch and watching that unfold in real time having and i was spoiler free i had no idea me too i was just like i can't be watching this there's a jaw-dropping moment yeah in all of and it keeps getting better it does like it starts off with just the bomb of like here's your handwriting and here's this you've already admitted to this here's this and him gulping and like but then he goes to the bathroom with the fucking mic on yep yep that's a chilling moment. Like you can't spoil that on the main cast, but like I feel like if you have any affection for doc, if you saw serial and you thought that was good or heard serial, you've got to watch the Jinx, man. Yeah, the Jinx. Like I've never, I can't remember a single moment in viewing my entire media viewing history that was as surprising yeah. as that, and just like. Because the other thing is like, yeah, I can't but believe what I'm seeing. It, the other stuff was scripted, so exactly. like the fact that this actually happened—it's real life, yo. It's as real as it the gets. Jinx wins. Jinx wins. Going clear might have won without that reveal, but Jinx. Yeah, come that's on. what I'm saying. Like that's how good the Jinx is. We are predisposed to put going clear something hard hitting look at exploitative cults. Yeah, to the top, and it was good. It was excellent at what it did. Great, but. If they had, you know, that Miss Cavage guy going into the bathroom saying, oh, yeah, this is all made up. I'm just milking people for their millions. Yeah, it might Even have Even that. Won. Like, it's not a murder, right? It's just sure. money. Well, well, it's... it's There are people that died. destroying people's there's lives. People that di- there's people that died in Scientology Certainly. custody. Um, best yeah. actor, Justin Theroux. Do we need to have a conversation? No, we don't. I mean, that, it's like leftovers. God. God okay. Damn, he's good. Best actress. Here. Which Here. of the leftovers actresses is going to win? <laughs> Uh, I don't think it's Anne Dowd, just sheer volume, right? Oh, wait, wait. Are we finding the other thing? We Are we finding because you know, we're going to do the top five as the ballot, right? Uh, are we finding the top five? I think we we talked about this exhaustively. Yes. Yes. I'm good with that top five. Okay, fine. That's great. Uh, actress. Are we fine with the top five here? I think we're good. Yeah. Yep. Um, so as this comes down to Carrie Coon, Regina King. Or are we putting Ann Dowd in there? No, she's sheer volume. I don't think she had as much to do. And oh, man. I don't know how to resolve the Carrie Coon, Regina King. I really don't. Because I, Carrie King... I thought King, about this a lot this morning. Okay. I thought... Because the way I... The, what I always come up against is Carrie King... Carrie Coon had more stuff to do. And... Kind of, though. She went I mean, up against Air... She went up against Regina, and they kind of fought to a standstill of who's more awesome... And the thing that Regina had that Carrie didn't is the scene where she ran out frantically with her daughter. It was super emotionally at at the end of that season. Yeah. And, like, to me, that was better than the stuff that Carrie was doing with Justin when it was just, you know, Nora and and Kevin. So I kind of want to give it by a hair to Regina King. Also, you have to look at just the idea that you're more familiar with Carrie Coon as an actress. So I might be taking her for granted. Uh, no, I think for me it puts me more in her character. I have a bigger history with that character, and I. So you're wanting to put Carrie Coon on top? No. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> no, I think we have a consensus here. Regina King. But why? I, I want to say. But you thought a lot about. It. I want to hear what. What are you thinking? 
the stuff that Carrie Coon did in season two wasn't as powerful as season one in a lot of respects, aside from that one scene where both, like you said, her and Regina fight to a standstill. She had, I mean, the scene where she found out that maybe this, the, uh, the departure is something that could happen again. I thought that was a really good moment. So here's the thing. But nothing here's is good scene. as like her walking in on her family of real dolls or no, her getting a hug from Wayne. Like, yeah. Uh, the other thing about Regina King, um, and her performance is I think a scene you might be overlooking is the scene where she, this, the scene where her, they're having like this remembrance of her daughter disappearing or whatever. And she goes on a tirade. Yeah. Against, all the bullshit that's been building up. And I feel like that was another really powerful scene. And she's she had more emotionally charged scenes uh, and pulled them off in a way that I think was... You're right. Maybe slightly less natural. I feel like Carrie Coon is just yeah the most fucking natural. You put her in any scenario and she just pulls it off without a doubt. She's a, did you see Gone Girl? I didn't. No, she was also really good as Ben Affleck's sister in Gone Girl too. And same way, she just that character of that you know her being a sister to Ben Affleck in that situation. She brings a lot of credibility to anything she does. It seems like. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. But I think Regina King had the slightly better material, and and even though she was just a hair less natural, I felt like, and maybe slightly more forced and we're talking about but that's the, thing, the best like, actresses of the year so she's playing a little bit calibrate. more of an intense character too she was yeah and and i feel like the stuff she did there even though it was you know it, it was more intense and it was i, I feel like harder to pull off mm-hmm. well but maybe mean, that's a consequence of just, Coon just, just being emotional so natural. Like, like i just felt like the emotional connection like what the tiebreaker for me is the final episode her going out and pleading and using sign language and all this stuff yeah. that was naturally built up organically. And, you know, that's all writing, too. But, um, I mean, I just I want to impress how close this is. Like, so last year, if we had done Best Actress in, in, uh, for, for the Baldies, it seems like Carrie Coon would have been yeah. easily the winner. I think so. I mean, Ann Dowd did a lot Ann of Dowd really lot of great stuff. stuff too, but, but at the end of the day, I like Nora's character better than I do. Yeah. Patties, so I'd probably give it to the. So, do we even have Liv Tyler on this list? Uh, I thought we because I was surprised by her. No, <laughs> we didn't because I think we. I just I want to honorable mention Liv Tyler because I didn't think she could do anything near what she did. You want to honor really honorable mention Liv Tyler? Yeah, because I feel like she just was so far outside her comfort zone. And I agree, she was awesome in a way like, that I didn't expect. I mean, I don't know why. Yeah, I mean, I I I don't really want to suck the leftovers dick any more than we are okay well i think swap regina king and carrie coon and i want to stress god damn it it's close yes god it's close but regina king had the better material and knocked it out of the park in uh, the same way that are carrie we coon satisfied did. with Anne dad being better than elizabeth moss i felt like kind of because yeah i think so I, I really hate to do one two three <laughs> leftovers but what are you gonna do it's the best show of the year i agree uh, I'm happy with the top five as is. Okay. If you are. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's move on to the best boomerang. This, I don't think we, this is not even a real topic. Uh, yeah. I mean, let's, let's pick one and go with it. Uh, I think, uh, I think if I was going to pick one for just sheer quality, it's top of the lake, which you haven't seen. Yeah. And if I was going to pick one from sheer quality, it's breaking bad season three, but <laughs> 
I, I don't know. Do you want to have like separate Jim and Aaron picks on this? Uh, it's it's because this is such a small reasonable pool. suggestion, and you know we haven't like you didn't watch Deep Space Nine this year. No, I didn't. I watched all of it. Yep. <laughs> I didn't watch any Community, and I didn't watch any Top of the Lake. So, oh, I finished the season three Community Christmas episode. I'm seriously thinking that like the season two and season three Community Christmas episodes are going to be required Christmas watching at my house from here on out. They're just great. They perfectly capture my sentiment towards a secular, but yet still warm family Christmas. How is Top of the Lake better than Breaking Bad Season 3? Can you, like... Well, it might be familiarity bias. Try to explain this. Because I didn't know what to expect. Um, it was... It, it scratched that uh, True Detective itch. I mean, I, I have a hard time saying that it's better than one of the best seasons of television, period. But I feel like Boomerang is the, the concept of Boomerang is maybe something that's a surprise or something that you know kind of snuck up on you that you well Boomerang li- literally just means means you watch old show that old show that like, you show just that didn't watched. come out yeah. in 2015 and we watched it. Well, and I feel like that this also I've there's got to be more Boomerangs on here too that I'm not thinking of. Yeah, I definitely watched other stuff. Like, didn't you watch all Sopranos? I know Cecily did. (laughs) Cecily watched all the Sopranos. I I recently watched all the Sopranos, but I don't know if it was this year or last. This shit blends together after a while. (laughs) Yeah. You get to be in your 30s, and it starts to just kind of... I feel like Boomerang. It's like, I need to start... I I now have a Baldi's document on my phone, so now I'm going to start being a little bit more... Yeah, we're going to have a big discussion about what we need to... Like, what we need to do to 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 maintain the the Baldi's, yeah, next year. Uh, But I don't know. I'd go top to late, because it's... I feel like... I want it. I mean, Man, at the end of the day, time. I feel good about when people say, hey, you recommended, like, so many people have said we never would have watched Leftovers. I now, like, I just had a big uh, conversation on PlayStation chat with this. Like, it's like four different people were in a room. Like, that we seems never... time consuming. Huh? Oh, voice. Yes. Not text. Yeah, okay. yeah, voice. Well, everybody was like, we're just waiting for, yeah. uh, you know, getting a raid group together. And they're like, oh, yeah, I watched the leftovers. Never would have watched it. But man, season two, like, was just so incredible and just had this organic conversation about it. I mean, I feel the best when someone, I get an email like, hey, I never would have watched Mad Men or I was never, I never would have watched the leftovers or. Hey, I you know I watched Fargo because you recommended I, that stuff. I guess that's the thing that makes me feel the best. So you're kind of weighing it like, yeah, if I want to, everybody turn knows on to somebody, about Breaking Bad. Yeah, top of the lake. This weird little new this. Uh, you know, if you were disappointed by season two of True Detective, try Top of the Lake. Okay. Whereas everyone knows about, but I mean, it's again like from a sheer quality standpoint. I mean, I guess, is this a, do we need to better define what the boomerang means? I don't think so. I think you're right. It's just trying to pick. I mean, and I think the best solution is to us both have a boomerang pick. Because I'm not going to watch everything you watch, and you're not going to watch I'm everything I'm vetoing top. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, well, I'm forcing it on. <laughs> well, it's two years in a row. We've neither one of us used a veto or a force on. Yeah, so. that, that, those don't exist as far as They're I'm They're just concerned. for threat. They're yeah. threats to force. It's like they're like nuclear weapons. Uh, you have them, so you don't need to use them. Mutually assured destruction. <laughs> I got my finger on the button here. <laughs> it's my mute switch, but I'll push it if I have to. Uh, how old is Top of the Lake? Uh, it came out last year. 
2014, I believe. Let me look that up. Mm, so. Man. So it's a it's a You're short really stretching boomerang. that boomerang definition. Oh come on! I mean, yeah, it didn't come out in 2015, but it came out in 2014. <laughs> what difference does that make? I guess it doesn't make much of a difference. And also, where's my charger for my freaking? What did, what happened to this thing? It's right down here. How did this happen? I don't know. Man. You take down a Christmas tree, and wires yeah. go everywhere. Apparently. Uh. I don't know. Something's not sitting right with me having multiple picks. Because that's the other thing is like if I if I judging from impact on my life, Harmontown wins oh, because well, yeah. that led me. To, I'm not even making it up. I've had to have watched thirty hours of television and as many hours of podcasting more, probably sixty in the last two months because I watched that goddamn documentary. Yeah, and that was because I watched Rick and Morty, and I saw the I watched the behind the scenes like Comic Con, and I'm like, this Dan Harmon guy is really funny, and I want to know more about him. And oh, there's a documentary on Netflix. Like, I just led me on this fucking spiritual, intellectual, philosophical life journey. So it's like now I kind of want to give the Harmon down. So fuck you, man. Yeah, I mean, I think Harmontown is definitely a strong contender. It's oh shit, top of the lake came out in Harmontown. Oh, in a... uh, fuck! It's 2013. Uh, well, that's a boomer. That's, one, a, that's one. a definition of boomerang right there. <laughs> Two years. <laughs> I think Harmontown was like 2013 as well. There's only seven episodes of it too. That's the other thing. Like it's it's super. It doesn't overstay its welcome. It's in and it's out. I mean, having not seen Top of the Lake, I can't in good conscience give it to Top of the Lake over Breaking Bad season three. I told you Elizabeth Moss is nude in it. Does that change your mind? No, that's the last (laughs) thing I want to go to Elizabeth Moss for is nudity. I don't know why. Like, I don't find her very attractive. Really? Period. And I've said this on the Mad Men cast. Oh, wow. Okay. You, yeah, she doesn't do it for me. Okay. Uh, But, like, I haven't seen Top of the Lake, and Breaking Bad season three is part of, it is pushing into, like, what makes Breaking Bad great. Like, it's better than the season two, seasons one or two of Breaking Bad. It's not quite season four, but it's probably near season five levels. Well, the other thing about Top of the Lake is, like, Tom Wright, who plays the, the lockjaw guy from The Bridge, who talks like David Lender, and he talks like this. Uh-huh. He's, a, like, a romantic lead. <laughs> and he's talking, like, normal, and he's, like, super sexy. And uh, okay. it completely changed my... Kind of like uh, seeing uh, Who's Bear on Fargo. Angus Sampson. Angus yeah. Sam- like that changed my opinion of what he could be as an actor. Yeah. Go from the mule to Yeah, that. So going Fargo. from the bridge to to top of the lake uh was was interesting. It's got a lot of guys in it that people would appreciate. Like yeah. it's got a lot of nerd creds. Holly Hunter stars in it. David Winham, which if you don't recognize the name, he is Faramir from the Lord of the Rings series. I don't know who Faramir is. <laughs> I've seen all the movies by Faramir's brother. I don't know who that is either. <laughs> all of those mirrors just blend right, together. Yeah, sure. It's I, the mirror family. Yeah. The mirror cats. Uh I I can't. I can't do top of the lake here, so sure, let's have two picks. Okay. Breaking Bad season three is mine. It's just I mean, that's one of the greatest shows I've ever seen. Most entertaining, certainly. It yeah, it doesn't have like well, we can afford to give this ten minutes and just talk about like because I I'd make a case yeah. for Community or Harmontown even. I think there's a fair case, and I mean you know as classics go, I think Deep Space Nine is right up there too. It's just there's a lot of real bad shit in Deep Space sure. Nine, <laughs> bat shit and bad shit. Yeah, 
Worst uh, character. Worst character. This is this is a real this is a real horse race. Yeah, it was. Uh, I can't remember anything that we said about this other than <laughs> Agent Stan Beeman is one of the worst characters on television. All right. <laughs> and we don't have numbers on this, so I'm I'm a little confused here. I guess top five is Chris Alexander. See, so Tyrell. I would give it I would give it to Tyrell or the Redhead Twins. Excuse me, from Jessica Jones. Oh God! Oh God! Something's not bad. Wrong happening. They're obnoxious. my chest now. They're real obnoxious. Well, and they're also fatal flaws to an otherwise. Well, they're not fatal flaws to Jessica Jones. The the structure of the episode, twelve episodes versus eight, was the fatal flaw of Jessica Jones. I mean, I don't think Tyrell is a fatal flaw of Mister Robot. I still uh, really like that show. He. Brought, I mean, it's number he, what he. I mean, I don't know. Maybe he's got a four maybe, on our list. Maybe this, two on our list. Yeah, I know. What I'm saying is... When I think Fatal Flaw, I think the show could have been good, but this fucked it up. It did a lot, like, it did a lot of damage to, to my enjoyment of Mr. Robot. Like, every time, single time I saw him on screen, I'm like, oh my god. Yeah, really? I didn't have that visceral He's reaction. murdering someone on a rooftop that he's going to be prime sus. Like, he's supposed to be yeah. this Machiavellian kind of like... He's driven by passion. He's Moriarty to Mr. Holmes. The Sherlock Holmes, by the way, I saw the first season of Sherlock Holmes, the, the remake on BBC. Is it good? It's not. I I didn't amend my boomerang okay. list, now, did uh, I? Well, no, he didn't. I was disappointed. Huh. Uh, I hear good things. That's Cumberbitch and... Uh, Cumber, bin, cum, uh, Cumberbund Binger Snatch and uh, The Hobbit. <laughs> Yeah. Bilbo Baggins, Martin Sheen, <laughs> Martin Sheen. Uh, Martin you know Freeman. what the the big thing is that disappointed me is its modern setting. Really, I did not like. The you modern. wanted tweed coats in and a, in the day of the internet and bowler hats. Like it's just weird to see a person and it's some of the stuff that I don't know, like Sherlock Holmes being ignorant of how the solar system works uh, doesn't work in net today's modern age. He's I, ignorant of the solar system? Yeah, he doesn't know that... Like, Pluto's a planet type stuff? Worse, or worse, like, uh, that the Earth orbits the sun. How is that modern day? His standpoint is, like, it's not that he's... He just doesn't pay it anything that is not something to Logic? help him solve a crime. He doesn't give a shit about. Like, he knows a lot about chemistry, about guns, about... Does he have a cell phone? Yes, he does. Does he and operate, he, te- he like... almost solely texts. But that, but that's, the thing is like weird it's, it's just there's not a lot of there's the the internet should be a bigger part in a Sherlock show but he's still doing all this deductive I feel like that works I mean, with the, the tweed coat and concerned... the deer stalker and all that and yeah just... yeah but I got onto this because okay. Tyrell Willick I feel like should be the Moriarty to Mister Robot's Sherlock Holmes or and the analogy is almost Patrick, Patrick Stewart's uh... the cue to Patrick Stewart's Captain <laughs> no Picard. the Moriarty oh. Also to Patrick to Stewart's Spinner's uh, data. Jean-Luc Picard. Yeah. Uh, but he's not. He's I, I he he's not smart. He's not sophisticated. He's not plausible as a character. He's not plausible as a CEO magnate. He's driven. All he is is driven by ambition. By his by his ridiculously hot quasi-cultural girlfriend. I mean I I don't get anything about those characters. I don't understand. Yeah, they're and not. That's why I'm saying it's a relatable. fatal flaw because, like, I just I'm supposed to think that this. The I arch- don't get anything about a drug addicted, uh, borderline psychotic either. Like, like I, 
I don't. I didn't have that visceral reaction really? to Tyrell Wellick. Really? I thought it was when a little over that the top. Girl on the rooftop. Yeah. yeah. Everything's a little over the top. Uh, ill-conceived, a bad idea, a little over the top. Just like But every, not a fatal flaw. So that's my point point was like in the first four episodes, he's introduced to have every single affectation that every major movie villain has had. Like he's into kinky sex, he's mm-hmm. amoral and into power, he speaks several different languages and he listens he's sexist to, and he probably listens to opera music when he's masturbating as he's being like as he's as he's auto affix uh, auto erotic asphyxiating a little himself. over the like, top <laughs> like it's uh, he doesn't hold together to believe the character in the he's, way that mr robot does top. like if you if you buy mr robot as a character then everything he does in the situations makes a lot of sense why is Tyrell Willick yeah. doing anything? His pathos are more understandable, certainly. Um, and if again, if he's the Moriarty going forward, that's going to be a big problem for me. I, I, I honestly, I'm not super excited about season two of Mr. Robot because. Oh, I am. Well, I mean, I am because of the producers are saying ambitious things like, "Oh, this yep. is just a prequel. This was just the prologue to the story we really want to tell." Yeah, that's a lot about what George Lucas said about the prequels of Star Wars. Which then I guess maybe if we're getting Star Wars, that's not so bad. But I, I just, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm worried. I'm worried that their ambition and what they've got to, to pull off is, is not going to square up. I don't know. I think they've set up a super interesting... Uh, this has nothing to do with the character, though. It, whatever. We'll talk about it later when we talk about other stuff. All uh, right. So, my, so Tyrell can go up, I think. Like, yeah, but you all don't... the Alexandrians, yeah, they're bullshit. But ultimately, who cares in that show, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, I do think that's one of the fatal flaws of the season of The Walking Dead we just finished. He's in, so Tyrell Willick, is he worse than Chris? But that's not the only flaw. Like, I feel like one of the, like, the biggest flaw of Mr. Robot might be that, that crazy character. Like, the rest of it is so strong, whereas the rest of The Walking Dead isn't that strong. You take the Alexandrians out of the equation, you got yeah. the same old reheated, refried bean plot. Right. Like, I... That show it has worn out its welcome, certainly. Um, Chris from Fear of the Walking Dead, he's... I, I don't feel like he's actually that terrible of a character in a show that's full of just not good stuff. I feel like Chris is a fairly... He's a worse character Fairly believable child of a divorced couple who's going through a lot of shit. So you think he's going to be YouTube famous and dress up with his stepsister and want to dick her down and i don't know i felt like she i felt like he's a pretty terrible character that i can't relate to like i eh, i didn't think he was that i was bad. a different type of stupid annoying teenager i thought he was worse than the alexandrians maybe but like not to the point where he beat either the redhead twins i i fucking hate all right the redhead the twins redhead and jessica twins. jones might be it, cons- like might that be number. the visceral reaction you felt with tyrell well like i felt with the the twins well, and they were far more destructive to the actual plot of Jessica Jones because Tyra Wick was just off doing his evil thing, and everyone's why he tried to seduce Mr. Robot with a lunch in the executive lunchroom of the data of the Iron Mountain storage facility or something. I don't know. Yeah, uh, Sand Snake's pretty fucking bad. Sand Snake's uh, Sand Snake's worse than all the Alexandrians. Worse than Chris from The Walking Dead. That's as high as they go, though. I don't. Yeah, I don't think they go. So you don't like. Well, like either. Uh, not really. I mean, I I didn't have like I said that visceral like hatred of the guy, but 
at the same time, I think he was a fairly like ridiculous <laughs> on the face of a character. Do, do we want to put um, Rubber Drogon in the top five just for giggles? No. Honorable <laughs> mi- bold him. Honorable <laughs> okay. mention. We got to put an honorable mention yeah. to Rob- Rubber Drogon. Um, and I almost feel like Stan Beeman should get an honorable mention. Okay. But, yeah, let's put it But him that's it. I think I'm happy with the order there. All right, so we have the redhead twins from Jessica Jones, Tyrell Willick, who Sand win the Stakes, category, yeah. Chris from Fear the Walking Dead, and all of the Alexandrians. The winner is the redhead twins. Yeah. All right. Like visceral, just ugh. Everything right. about it. Here's the thing: biggest disappointment. It's hard tough. for me to say that the True Detective, coming off of stellar season one. Yep. Yeah, and we were in the camp that liked the ending of that show. Or the, that season? Well, it kept it from becoming uh, a full-on dumpster fire. No, right? no, no, I mean season one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we liked the ending of season one, I think. Yeah. Uh, whereas a lot of people were like, oh, blah, 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 undercutting the season one. What I don't understand are the people that say that season two is better than season one. Oh, they've lost their minds. Well, I mean, sure. It's, it's that's all one subjective. T- that's, that's, that's one. But I don't see it. It doesn't line I'm up trying with to, my... I try to crawl in their minds and, like, why? Why would you say something like that? Is it just... You're an, you, this is a overreaction to the critical reaction of season three, two. Could be. Like, it's kind of like, you know, it's like the insa- insane clown posse syndrome where you decide to like something and everybody else hates it. So that makes you like it even more and adopt it as a lifestyle. And start drinking Fago. Start drinking Fago <laughs> and making questionable tattoo choices and questionable maybe makeup stop choices. going to the dentist for five years or so. Yeah. Um, uh, so, uh, and I think that was a huge disappointment. I think Spectre needs to be up there. Although we, I got a, a piece of email on the break where someone was heartbroken that we didn't like Spectre. I feel like Game of Thrones should go higher. Yeah, uh, I was uh, definitely why, above I, House of Cards. Like I, I like House of Cards season two a lot, but like to me, it's a bigger disappointment than Fear the Walking Dead because the Fear the Fear the Walking Dead, I. Sure, it was a huge disappointment and a, and a missed opportunity, but I didn't expect greatness from it. I expected above averageness from it and an interesting take on, you know, like, well, how about like, some, some spectacle? And I didn't get any of that stuff. But, you know, I Game of Thrones hurt. Like, the fact that it was not as good. Yeah, but, like, the bigger and better the show has been in the past, the higher on this list it's going to go when it disappoints, right? But... I'm trying to think, like, like, Game of Thrones was a disappointment, but it wasn't a massive disappointment. No, still a lot of threads that I really love. Uh, so does that mean Fear the Walking Dead should be above it? You know what? I might argue for... Yeah, so Fear the Walking Dead I had a lot of hope for, just because it was, it could be a fresh take on The Walking Dead, which is a show that has gotten stale. Um also, I thought the first few episodes did some things that were interesting that I had not seen necessarily try to be tackled in other zombie stuff, which is always welcome for me. Um, but goddamn, Game of Thrones is a big show that should, I would hope, be firing on all cylinders. But Fear the Walking Dead was a real piece of shit. It really was. It was terrible. So if you calibrate, like, say, well, Game of Thrones wasn't that bad, though it was bigger... And Fear the Walking Dead was unknown. It was a dumpster it was a real fire piece of from shit. start to finish. It, it really was. was. I, yeah, it had some interesting ideas, but other than that, like, er, early on it did. 
I, I thought like yeah yeah you're right the the fact the that second episode exploiting or something like the that distrust of the locals and like of all the with law enforcement yeah. and how that ties into you know your problems with the zombie outbreak and stuff like that I, yep. I thought it did some interesting things early on but then it didn't follow up on him no and it was huge disappointment when we flash forward oh yeah massive um so I, I think maybe fear of the walking dead goes above game of thrones and i might honestly put house of cards above the walking dead because the walking dead was worse than house of cards but house of cards i think is a fundamentally better show in it a should yeah it's it's it gets awards it gets oh no 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 i wouldn't put it that high I was oh. thinking like Game of Thrones than House Cards. Game of Thrones bigger disappointment than House of Cards. I disagree. Okay, House of I Cards should have ended that. last season, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I think you're right. So it's almost a bigger disappointment knowing that they're going to make a four, a season four, right? Or five, like if well, <laughs> yeah. God, I hope not. Um, yeah. It's not as good of a show at the heart of it as Game of Thrones, though. I don't know. It has its moments. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. I'll leave that up to you. I think <laughs> I think those are real close. Putting to me? Yeah. If you want house cards to go above Game of Thrones... I just don't want to oversell how big it. a disappointment Game of Thrones was. No, I get it. It needs to be in... The top. And really, what do we expect from The Walking Dead? I want an honorable mention that Winds of Winter did not come out in 2015 because mm-hmm. Martin posted a end-of-year thing where he just says, not Sonics. only is it not it's not going to make it before the series, it might not even make 2016. Yeah. And people are fucking up in arms. And I almost, I almost decided I was this close to doing a special Game of Thrones support group podcast where just like, hey, you guys want to talk about The Winds of Winter and your disappointment? But I'm like, nah. But I would like to talk a little bit about it. And just, you know, because you're, I'm interested in your perspective too, since you don't give a shit one way or another, just from an outsider, like, can we, can we put Hateful Eight in this category? I really didn't like Hateful Eight at all. So Hateful Eight is this thing where I've thought a lot about, and I'm like, if he was going for this very specific thing, then I enjoy it more. And also I'm trying to fight through how much I viscerally didn't like the experience of seeing it because of the shitty service we got. And the fact that, did you know that movie's supposed to have an intermission? Yeah. What is the very specific thing you're talking about? So I thought that increasingly I'm, I'm bored with Quentin Tarantino's takes on race and it feels like he, these movies are, are an excuse to, use the n-word hundreds of times and then like if you try to say well what are you doing that's important as justifying the use of like you know these really ignorant southern and now you've made one the hero like this ignorant piece of shit guy okay what because one of the big problems with social justice is that the people that you need to change the minds the most are resistant because what's the upside if you sit there and like, oh, I've been a racist piece of shit for like, if you're a white nationalist movement, you're, then they touch on this in season three of, ba- uh, yeah, season three of Banshee. Let's say you were raised in Martinsville, Indiana, and your father was or a grand it. dragon of the Ku Klux Klan, mm-hmm. and all your life you've heard that there's this inferior class of people, they're always fucking shit up for your people, and this is why we can't have nice things. Why would you doubt that? 
people that you love and trust are telling you this information. Sure. You get in your mid-20s and you're a skinhead and you got Nazi tattoos all over you. And then something pries its way into that mental crack. Why in the world would you ever change your... I mean, everything in the world is stacked against you, right? Like, you can continue believing what you believe... Or you can confront the fact that you have not just believed something wrong, but odious and vile and terrible, and you've net yeah, contributed. Yeah, you can blow to, up yeah. your life trying to change it. I and and so there's it's a like, lot of friction there. Sure. So the, the, portraying Walton Goggins as a man who wasn't even like his family kept fighting the Civil War after the Civil War was over. Sure, that's how committed they were, and he's obviously super racist. Having him join forces with the black man. To ultimately confront a greater evil, and 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 kind of you know like I, I not, he's not really forgiven. Here's my problem, but I, he's got to kind of a, it's like I'm, as if, if if Quentin's trying to go with like okay, let's like what do you do with these people that are racist or they're have some other kind of old school fundamentalist ideology that's that's holding back progress. If you continue to punish them and shame them, even when they're making well-meaning attempts to get better, like I, I, what I'm getting tired of on the social justice side is this gotcha game where every single time someone says something wrong, it's instant dogpile. Yeah, yeah. And then if they say they're sorry, you never, no one ever remembers the fact that someone actually j- grow or changed. And anytime this person comes up in the media again, it's like, oh, this guy's a sexist piece of shit, or this is a racist piece of shit. It's like, well, well, that's across the board. There's never any room to change your mind about anything. But that's, I think, holding back a lot of, you know, like, oh, I agree. Sometimes yeah. we gotta like, okay, it's... let's 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 be quick to praise people that are coming around to. So maybe that is like what he's trying to do with the Walton Goggins character. But that sure. Here's my problem with it, though. Okay, that's all fair and well. <laughs> that movie didn't need an intermission because it could have been an hour shorter. That movie yes. bored me to tears yes. until until like an hour and a half, two hours into the thing, and then it bored me at the end because it took forever for the resolution to occur. Yeah, I I kind of like how they went about that, but really, I, yeah, I I think it was interesting, like having Walton just let, let him expl- let her explain. Let her, let her lay out this plan. I want to hear her offer. I have fully no intention of ever taking it, but you know, let's do it anyway. I just and also I the, was goddamn. What about the digression? What thing. about the flashback of how this all set up? Useless yeah, and didn't I make sense in the universe of the film. It felt like one of those. Uh, I mean, you can go back. Uh, direct podcast just did. We have a. I don't know if you guys know. We have a podcast by Eric and Levi. Uh, of Eric of personal, personal arrogance, arrogance fame. fame. Uh, he he has been covering Quentin Tarantino as a director doing in chronological order uh-huh. a review of each of his movies through the lens of kind of what Quentin Tarantino is as a director and I think that's yeah. a great podcast but I I just like I, I was so intensely bored with this whole thing uh, like that that's a Tarantinoism right like that's yeah. one of the things he does I get it but like the build-up to this whole plot didn't need to be there, but, like, a fraction of what it was. And he's, all, he's still good at really building tension, but as I said, I think I said this in a forum, I'm getting increasingly bored with his resolutions to it, which is an orgy of violence and, you know, inwards. Sure. Like that's how everything right. gets resolved. It's like everything is, like, super tense, and then a gunfight in a basement, and then a gunfight in a plantation, and then a gunfight in this fucking cabin. Like, 
that's been his one. That's that's his M Night Shyamalan trick that he's used since Reservoir Dogs. Sure. And like, yeah, there's got to be another way to break tension. Yeah, and it's explosive res- and it's fun, but like I, I guess I I just didn't like the long boring stretches, and I and there were a lot of them, but great. Like just belaboring the point to right. Like I can see why you don't like the Walton Goggins stuff near the end. Like, yeah, it's belaboring the point. Yeah. No, I was done with the movie like an hour ago, and yet still I'm here. You I know? wish I had walked in an hour after it started. Like, hmm. that's that's a thing. The beginning of this was so boring for me. Yeah. I feel like it deserves to be on that list because it was a huge disappointment. Being well, we we wanted that we were going to record a fan. whole podcast, and we decided, you know what? I We don't want to shit on something for an hour. No, uh, but I'll do it for five minutes here. Okay. Uh, All right, fine. So you want to do what? You want to yeah, put it? Where throw does it, it on go? There. Hateful Eight. I mean, just it's not going to win anything. It's not top five. Just throw it on the the pile somewhere. I don't care. It's definitely more of a disappointment than The Brink, which I had no expectations for hardly at all. Okay. Okay. Uh, and that's it. No it's shit. Eight. It's eight spelled out, by the way. Oh well. <laughs> Fuck me. Show uh, show Tarantino some respect here. I and that's the thing. I do. I do. Yeah, I love Tarantino. I th- I don't think that one movie that didn't do it for me. I remember hearing two movies back. It, so that, I want to talk a little bit more about this. It turns out. Okay. I, I remember hearing a, a couple movies back that he's like, you know, I have a specific number of movies that I want to make, and then I'm out. Yeah. And I'm like, oh no. But now I'm like, uh, that's mightn't be good. Maybe because I if d- this is the only story you have to tell. Sure. Then, then, then move on. The second thing is, how much of this is a reaction? Because this two years ago or around that bouts, this script got leaked uh, on the on the internet hmm. and to widespread because it was like a first draft, and there was you know obviously sure. the 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 script as written uh, had a lot of problems. Although that's the other thing that I I it seems like we're in very a minority opinion. Oh on yeah, this. absolutely. And I hate because uh, I feel like I'm I'm missing something, but. Um, Tarantino said. Beer. Tarantino said as soon as he this happened, like I'm not even want to make the movie now. I don't even want to make the movie. This, you know, this, this, this is everything wrong with Hollywood. You're taking this first draft. This person leaked it because you're an asshole. This person ran the story because you're an asshole. You guys are all fucking coming after me. Fuck it. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to make the movie. Just, just not going to make the hateful eight. You've ruined it for me. Yeah, no, I, I and agree so with a I lot kind of that. Feel like, like maybe his heart wasn't really in it, huh? That that huh. kind of, but but on the the other hand, he did. He seemed to go ham on it when he finally got around to do, it, and he did it in the seventy millimeter, which I thought was interesting from a cerebral film buff. But yeah, that, there was no point to that. That's one of the things. So I listened to the direct podcast, obviously, and I think. Like, I came out of this movie actively disliking it. Same here. Thinking, oh, my God, I just saw the most boring three hours of movie going uh, of my life. And I listened to their podcast, and the, the, they make a lot of good points about the experience of watching the Tarantino movie and how he brings the viewer in in a way that a lot of other movies don't. And I think that's that's valid, and that's, you know, tempers my opinion a little bit of it. Um Stuff like, you know, it starts off with a shot, a long, long shot of a guy just riding a horse. Uh, or or is it the carriage? No, it's Samuel L. Jackson, I think. It's like this this grave marker, right? 
Well, like, it's, real it's, close, it's, it's, real uh, close it, up, and it spins around it, and then it pulls it's, out. It's to, a crucifix. Yeah, and then it pulls out to this stagecoach. What I what I assume would be a really incredible, amazing looking shot in seventy millimeter on an IMAX screen. Uh, I don't know. We saw it in subpar conditions. So like, there's there's a lot of interesting stuff that he's doing. But ninety percent of the movie takes place in a dimly lit cabin. And like to me, when I think of like seventy millimeter, like I, you know, my the thing I first think of is Lawrence of Arabia and how they just you like. I don't even yeah. know that that's the landscape shots. Yeah, like a lot of the emotional storytelling and the isolation of the desert only works because you've got these big expansive vistas. And I think that's what Tarantino's trying to do with like that. Open but there are shot. no big expansive vistas in this movie. Well, there are. I mean, they're up in the mountains, and you see a lot of like snow covered mountains and stuff like that. But. Yeah, yeah, you're right. The majority of it, yeah, yeah, is is either inside a stagecoach or inside of that cabin. Yeah, and I think now there's an argument to be made to for it. like the 70 millimeter when you put a human face, like you know that that much detail that like you that's a story that's that's also as impressive as a as a sand dune or a sea or whatever. Yeah, and I think the performances in this are fantastic. What's that girl? I mean, what's between... her name? Uh, Rachel Jason. Uh, Jennifer Jason J- Lee. Jennifer Jason yeah. Lee. I thought she was incredible. She's great. Samuel Jackson's great. Like I, I, uh, I don't flaunt, flaunt any of the particular. Walton Goggins dia- great. I don't flaunt. I don't flaunt. I don't fault any of the particular dialogue or acting choices. Or it's just the whole thing didn't work for me. Kurt Russell great. Kurt Russell's great. Everybody, top to bottom, I thought was awesome. Except Channing Tatum. He's a piece of shit and he can <laughs> die in a fire. Uh, <laughs> but you liked the ending, so. No, I I was so grateful. When they killed him off almost immediately, I was like, thank God I'm not going to have to sit through another hour of this guy. <laughs> Why do you hate Channing Tatum so much? Because he's Channing Tatum. I don't like him. All right. Uh, should we move on? He's a dog-faced, poor actor. Should we move on? Yeah. Um, biggest surprise. Mr. Robot. There's got to be Mr. Robot, I think right? Mr. Robot being a show on the USA Network. Yeah. I did not give it a second thought until everyone, and I mean everyone, is coming back saying, you have to watch this. Yep. And I was like, no, no, it's on USA. What am I doing? Wasting my time. You think that's also our biggest podcast regret? Uh, I mean, it's going to be there for season two. I never feel a regret not really? covering something in season one. Yeah. It always stings me. When I it, just never do. Because that's the thing. Like, especially I feel like the season two of True Detective has driven that home, is that sometimes you don't, you only get that. <laughs> that one shot yeah I, I can understand it on true detective uh but mr yeah i thought like mr robot would be one of those shows that are right up our alley and we could have uh you know captured a big share of that audience and now we're gonna be fighting fighting all the the mr robot come lately's you know daredevil's a close second um i like i i've said this before well, but i, I, I went into that daredevil I- watching it and not yeah. expecting anything of it. Yeah. And by the time it was done, I was engrossed and fully on board. And as much as you, we've talked shit about Jessica Jones, I still think it's great. I think still think it's great and a lot of admiral things it did. And yeah. the fact that you watched it. Sure. Is well, a, it's largely a testament to Daredevil too, because I wouldn't have given that's that why, show that's a chance That's why I said this Daredevil. is the MCU. This is the Marvel You're Cinematic right. Universe. Right. It's not so much an image. The fact that any of this is working at all, I can't even fucking believe it. Yes. Yeah. The fact that I'm excited for a knockoff Avengers coming down the pike maybe in 2016, uh-huh. incredible. Better Call Saul, I, sh- I the don't... The pedigree I, there doesn't make it a huge surprise. Yeah, it would have been a frankly. big... It would have been a surprise if it was a disappointment. Yeah. And then Sense8, 
you know, whatever. Uh, I expected nothing coming in from the Wachowskis, and I was impressed more than I should have been. So Mr. Ro- Mr. Robot me. wins this, right? Yep. Uh, question, best debut pilot. I, man, I hate this category. Debut pilot. What does that even mean? Maybe best first episode, it. best first season, best. Maybe like, we shouldn't have it. Yeah, I mean, I, I can. No, I can. If we can define I tend to it, think better, of it as, okay. as as a a best debut is a best first season. Then maybe we should call it best best debut season, as opposed to best debut pilot. Because when you throw in pilot, like that's got me thinking. Better Call Saul probably doesn't belong on the list. Like, right? I don't know. Like a lot of these shows are harder to judge. Well, also, like, why isn't than... why isn't Mister Robot win this? If it's our biggest. I know biggest surprise is not the same thing as best new thing, but it kind of has that idea baked in. Yeah. So Mister Robot has a real flaw in its bad character. Show Me a Hero is real strong. It's real strong, but if if you're talking about pilot, it's also going to be the only chance it has to win anything because it's the only season. Yeah, um, which that's not compelling to me. Okay. All right. Uh, so have we got? Let's let's scroll down a bit. Okay. So we got everything. Uh, I just I don't want to get to Mr. Robot because I feel like we just did it the biggest surprise. And I don't know that I like Mr. Robot as much as I like Better Call Saul or Narcos. To me, I thought the final two, I thought the final, if I want to be honest, the final three episodes, I felt like I figured out what they were trying to tell. So a lot of that stuff was just epilogue to me. It felt like the last three episodes are kind of epilogue for, for me on Mr. Robot. Whereas Better Call Saul continued to pick up steam. Narcos, arguably the, the last the little the, the last material was more stronger than the beginning material. A lot of that was just because I was so familiar with the you know, what a shit that, uh, uh, I can't remember the guy's name from Columbia, but Pablo Escobar was, but mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Like, I feel like Narcos and Better Call Saul or Show Me the Hero or Daredevil is better than Mr. Robot, hmm. even though the series, fuck, the series don't re- ratings don't reflect that. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't understand my own category, Jim. Yeah, this category feels wrong just given that we have, you know, best show and also biggest surprise. I think we put pilot there because, like, I'm always on the lookout for a show that has, like, the lost pilot. That's, like, the one of the best things you've ever seen. Yeah, Lost is a big contender. Uh, I mean, lost is, like, this benchmark for that. Right, whereas, but mostly it's, you know, Better Call Saul, pilot wasn't great. Mr. Robots is pretty good. Uh, Narcos, I don't even remember it, so... Show me heroes. Yeah, the first two the, like, episodes assassin. were a slow, the slowest of slow burns. Like I had the crock pot set the low. Yeah, and I mean we and Daredevil. The second episode is the one that punches you in the nuts and says, "Hey, notice this thing." Yeah, I don't know. What do you want to do with this category? Get rid do of you, it. You want to get rid of it? I'm kind of with you. I feel like we've given everything that I would be tempted to put as number one on this list it's due already well all what would that be but the thing is you can't throw away a category because we have an off year like is it possible that a biggest surprise would not win the overall best debut sure definitely i think show so that too. you expect like, for example next year if, was 
good. If The Walking Dead is very good. That might win the biggest surprise, even though it's but not, not going to sn- snip yeah. the top. I mean, maybe in a in a crazy fantasy world it would, but sure. like I could see it being the biggest surprise and not being the best debut or pilot. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Robot, how good is that? I mean, really, the only fuck the only problem I have with Better Call Saul is episode number two. One wasn't great. One, yeah, I mean, one wasn't perfect, but... But they had a lot of establishment. It wasn't bad, and yeah, and and it set the tone for what that show was going to be. See, I didn't think it did. Really? No, I thought I thought season... I thought episode one and two was... Uh, hmm. almost dishonest in, in, a, in a weird way, because, like... I think a lot of people could have watched that and been like, eh, I don't know if I want to see this, the rest of the show. And then it got really, really good. But, you know, we asked that on the podcast, and a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, my wife actually tried, sat on, you know, came in the Better Call Saul, not seeing Breaking Bad, and, you know, instantly was engaged. So it was like, maybe this is a old Breaking Bad fan complaint. I mean, it certainly wasn't like Breaking Bad, another, I think, all-time great pilot. Sure, I think that Breaking Bad pilot's fantastic. Um, but I'm like, where are, are the missteps in Better Call Saul's debut season worse than the missteps in Mr. Robot? And how high are the highs? Because like, I, I'm I'm approaching this like I, I'm notorious for valuing entertainment a little bit more than anything else in a TV show. Uh, and Better Call Saul top to bottom entertaining i thought except for season or episode two for me mm-hmm. uh where's mr robot yeah it has a character i don't really like and was kind of a, a ridiculous character on the face of it i know better call saul kind of suffers from that a little bit with the skateboard twins but they're not that was confined to you know they were a season-long presence and i'd agree with you but yeah Whereas, like, I think those, I would almost say Better Call Saul wins this. I think Better Call Saul has a lot of heart, and it's got a fundamentally awesome character in Slippin' Jimmy. All right, I agree. I, really I, I, like. think, I think Better Call, but so, like, does does that reflect in our rankings? I just want to make sure that we... Um... <laughs> See, this is the thing. Like, why do we have Mister Robot number two? If Better Call Saul is the is the be- better debut, it's season one versus season one. Like, what the fuck? Yeah, should Better no, Call right. Saul be number two? Because that's the thing. Like, this is a blended like surprise should. and debut kind of go together. But if Better Call Saul is the stronger sh- stronger show, maybe. I don't know. How do you feel about that? Because I, I don't feel like we've really considered Better Call Saul all that much other than, you know, it was really solid. <laughs> like, we didn't talk about it in detail. I think that's it. It's a solid... It's it's season one of Breaking Bad. It's not the best show on television yet, but you can see where it's going. Sure. Um, Mr. Robot has the more interesting ideas. Yes. Obviously. I don't think there's any disputing that. Yes. Uh, Better Call Saul, I felt, worked more on the... The heart level, 
I, I feel like Better Call Saul are... is the better debut. Mr. Robot's the biggest surprise, and somehow that See, Mr. Robot, somehow I think that it... secret sauce ends up with it being a slightly better show in overall rankings. Mr. Robot gives me a, a hope for its future in a way that Better Call Saul doesn't doesn't need to. Right? Yeah. Like Better Call Saul. I'm, I'm in on be Better Call Saul no matter what. Yeah, and and Mr. Robot, like the ideas there are so much bigger that I could see, maybe like the. I think you're setting up yourself for some disappointment with these big. I like. Maybe I'm in reflexive nerd I, mode, but I, I, I'm very scared about them paying these things off, especially yeah, maybe, with the way so. this the season ended up. But that's the thing that distinguishes it in best show. Um, whereas Better Call Saul might get better debut because Better Call Saul is just more solid. Like I don't, I don't think the flaws are as glaring, but the ideas aren't as big, and so maybe like I don't want to say the highs say, aren't as high because there were some really spectacular highs in Better Call Saul too. There were, there were, and that's like why I feel maybe it wins debut, but Mr. Robot wins, uh, edges it out in Better Show just given the nature of the things it could address. Uh, and kind of where the story could go and the hope that it gives me for that. All right. Well, I'm fine. I'm fine with Mr. Robot being big a surprise, Better Call Saul being best debut, and Mr. Robot still being a hair above it in the overall rankings. I am too. And that's just kind of how I would justify that. I mean, the other thing, if I want to justify it, uh, is I'd say Timothy Oliphant. But if I wanted to, if, if I wanted to justify it, I'd also say that I... Somehow, like like, I guess... If a lawyer was watching Better Call Saul, they might see going with all this legal jargon and making interesting and believable as a higher degree of difficulty. Well, I'm an IT nerd, so I've never, ever seen a show that treats – I I compare, like, season two of House of Cards, yeah. how they handled a high-profile hacker with this guy. Ugh. And this is a better realization. I don't think I've ever, ever – I mean, think about – the movie Hackers. I just rewatched Hackers. Yes. It's terrible, right? That, put that on the best boomerang. <laughs> it's a joke as far as actual hacking. Yeah. And I'm trying to think of like, has there ever been one that actually has a realistic depiction? And this isn't ultra realistic, but enough that work. I'm not just like, oh, Jesus Christ, the whole time. Yeah. There's no animated carp heads or fucking, you know, Japanimation hosts of a hacking TV show or it's something, you Spinning know. Spinning 3D worlds yeah yeah there's no the dentist near the neon going, eh, 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 you know <laughs> uh so yeah sure all right well then i think we got we're ready right, to throw re- bcs a high we're finally uh, ready Mr. to record Robot. the baldies podcast we are put order those the correct way but yeah wait how bcs above is that Mr. the only Robot. thing we care about i think so i mean the rest of those are fairly in order i might throw show me a hero above narcos just because that's how i feel about it but But Better Call Saul wins that, and I think the top five is is good. Like, in no specific order, right? Uh-huh. Okay, cool. That's it. We've got our list. Congratulations, you don't have to listen to the actual podcast because you have all the spoilers. Uh, or you've listened to it already. No, see, the, way I, the way I think people are going to consume this is going to listen to the Baldies. And then it goes back through the deliberation. So I'm I'm wondering, like, let's let's do a small, that's very got- short recap on this whole thing, like uh, post mortem on this right now. Yeah, like I, I mean, maybe you want to do a separate episode for that. I don't know. I want to get but, to Baldi because I'm I'm honestly not really sure how the Baldies are going to go at this point. I don't know how we should release them. I want to talk a little bit about that and see. Okay, 
let's let's put a let's put a stop point in this for right now. okay sounds good uh yeah thanks everybody for sitting through four 45 hours of however long it is i honestly don't know it's a lot uh but hopefully it was entertaining and you see why we made the choices we made uh, and hopefully that's interesting to you. And if not, tell us to stop doing this shit and we won't waste our time next year. It was a lot of time. It was a, lot of time. a significant chunk of time. So, uh, thanks. And we will see you next year on the Baldies 2016.